Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Sometimes you'll see Christians asking questions like, well, can I do this thing and still technically be a Christian? Is that the best question you could be asking right now? Jesus gave his all at Calvary for the sins of mankind. Today, Pastor Greg Laurie invites us to be fully committed to him. Instead of asking, can I do this thing and still be a Christian? I think the better question would be, since I am a Christian, what can I do to get closer to God? This is the day when the lost are found. of pledges of loyalty and faithfulness to a spouse. You never hear a groom promising to love, honour and cherish, but I'm still going to date some other girls on the side. A good relationship is defined by how much we do for the other, not by how much we can get away with just because we want to. Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie points out the same dynamic applies in our spiritual lives as we cling to the Lord and resist our spiritual adversary. get into deals with the devil because you'll always lose. And I bring that up because now we have Moses trying to get the Israelites out of the bondage of Egypt and Pharaoh is saying no. Of course the Lord appeared to Moses at the burning bush and commissioned him. And he was to return to the court of Pharaoh where he once lived as a young Egyptian prince to demand the release of the Jews and specifically to say to the Pharaoh, we're going to go three days journey into the wilderness and offer a sacrifice to the Lord. But the Lord also told Moses, this is not going to be easy. The Pharaoh is going to be resistant and the Pharaoh is going to harden his heart. And now we're going to see how the Pharaoh tries to negotiate with Moses, how he tries to reach a compromise with Moses. But the Pharaoh's intent was never to release the Jews. It was just to wear Moses down. And it's a picture of what happens when we try to do deals with the devil. So the Lord sent a series of plagues upon Egypt, 10 in total, each gaining in intensity as the Pharaoh's heart grew harder. Why did God send these plagues? Number one, if you're taking notes, they were a direct answer to Pharaoh's question, which was, who is the Lord and I should obey him? See, Pharaoh thought he was the Lord. Pharaoh thought he was God. He was the most powerful man on the face of the earth. And Moses comes into his court and says, the Lord sent me to you. The Pharaoh's reaction is, who is the Lord and I should obey him? God said, that's a good question. I'm going to answer that for you. So God sent a series of plagues to show His mighty power. That's point number two. The plagues were a demonstration of God's power. From the death of the firstborn to the darkness they came over the land. From the bugs to the frogs. God was showing His power. Exodus 9.15 says. Number three. The plagues were a judgment on the Pharaoh in Egypt for their cruel treatment of the Jews. Remember that. The Lord made a promise to Abraham and his descendants, the Jewish people. He said, I will bless them that bless you, and I will curse those that curse you. And so Pharaoh cursed the Jews. He 
was opposed to the Jews. And he faced the repercussions of it. So the Lord was keeping his promise there. And fourth and lastly, the plague showed the emptiness and futility of the false gods of Egypt. See, the Egyptians worshiped all kinds of crazy stuff. They worshiped the Nile River as a god. They worshiped this frog goddess thing, Heget. The head of a frog, the body of a woman sort of a goddess of fertility. They worshiped insects. And so the Lord said, oh, you worship this stuff? Oh, you want gods? I'll give you more gods and you can shake a stick out. And the various plagues came. And number one, of course, was the Nile River turning to blood. Uh, the Egyptians considered the Nile River sacred. It also was essential uh, because they got their drinking water from there. So it was turned to blood. Then there was an invasion of frogs, frogs everywhere. Frogs in your bed, frogs on the floor, frogs in the oven, frogs in the fridge, frogs hanging off the ceiling. And the Pharaoh was starting to freak out a little bit and he was starting to crack and he said, pray that God makes the frogs go away. And Moses prayed and the frogs all died in mass and the Bible says the land stank. That's great King James translation there. But still, Pharaoh was hardening his heart. Now plague number three, gnats. Thousands, millions of gnats followed by an invasion of spiders, ticks, and beetles. This was the first case of beetle mania in history. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the beetles. That's uh, how many un understood that was an imitation of Ed Sullivan. How many of you know who Ed Sullivan is? All the young people are, we don't know. Google him, Ed Sullivan, comma, the beetles. You'll get the joke. And even after you Google it, you won't think it's funny. But still. The Beatles were a British band many years ago. John, Paul, George, and Ringo. Anyway, so the invasion of Beatles, insects everywhere, and these gnats and these flies were getting into their eyes, into their ears, into their nostrils. But Pharaoh's heart just got harder and harder. Okay, now we're going to look at how the Pharaoh tried to trick Moses and Aaron uh, into doing what he wanted them to do. So go to Exodus chapter 8. I'm going to read verses 25 to 28. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron. All right. Go ahead and offer sacrifices to your God. But notice this. But do it here in the land. You might underline that phrase. Do it here in the land. I'll come back to it. Moses replied, well that wouldn't be right. The Egyptians detest the sacrifices that we offer to the Lord our God. Look, if we offer our sacrifices here where the Egyptians can see us, they will stone us. We must take a three day trip into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God as He has commanded us. Pharaoh replied, all right, go ahead. I'll let you go into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord your God, but don't go too far away. Underline that phrase as well. Don't go too far away. Now hurry and pray for me. Very interesting passage of Scripture. First of Pharaoh says in verse 25, offer your sacrifices here in the land. At first it sounds good. It's a breakthrough. I mean, after all, when Moses and Aaron first went to see the Pharaoh, it was a flat out no. And not only that, but to add insult to injury, he took the straw away from the Israelites that they used to make brick, and they had to collect their own straw, making their job harder. Things weren't going well. But as the successive plagues came upon Egypt, the Pharaoh is starting 
to crack. Now he's trying to negotiate, but really what he's trying to do is wear Moses down. What did God command? Three days journey into the wilderness. Why? Because God wanted as much distance for Israel from Egypt as possible. And that's our objective as well. We want to keep as much distance from evil as possible. And sometimes you'll see Christians asking questions like, well, can I do this thing and still technically be a Christian? Is that the best question you could be asking right now? Instead of asking, can I do this thing and still be a Christian, I think the better question would be, since I am a Christian, since Christ has forgiven me of all of my sin, since I know now that I'll go to heaven one day, what can I do to get closer to God? What can I do to grow more spiritually? So the Pharaoh's trying to wear them down and keep them close, again reminding us, don't do deals with the devil. The devil might say to you, in effect, all right, I never wanted you to become a Christian. I was against it from the beginning, but come on now, be practical. You can still have a little fun. You can still dabble with a few things here and there. And he knows that's the way he kind of gets a foothold. You see, he says, okay, okay, you can go. Just don't go too far. I want to keep an eye on you. And so we start adapting. You're listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie. Thanks for joining us today. Pastor Greg is the senior pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California, USA. And today he's presenting a message called The Danger of the Compromised Life studying the successes and failures of Moses in the series Water, Fire, Stone. Listen, nobody falls away from God all at once. Every now and then you'll read an article about some fairly well-known person, perhaps, who says, oh, I was a Christian and I'm not a Christian anymore. And you think, how does that even happen? How does someone get to the point where they come up publicly and say, I no longer am a Christian. I can guarantee to you the steps that led to that statement go back a long ways. You don't just do it all at once. You don't wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to deny my faith and turn from God today. No, it's a series of steps and compromises that always lead to something like that. Case in point, Simon Peter. We all know about his open denial of Christ. But where did it start? It started in the upper room with a prideful attitude. Jesus said to his disciples, one of you is going to betray me and I'm going to be crucified. Peter said, even if I'll deny you, I will never deny you. Jesus said, since you brought it up, you're going to deny me three times, Peter. Peter thought, no way. It was pride. The Bible says pride goes before a fall. That was his first step down. Don't ever think you couldn't fall. You are capable of falling to the worst sins imaginable, and so am I. Number two, he was sleeping when he should have been praying. Jesus took his three friends, Peter, James, and John, to the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, watch and pray. The spirit is willing. The flesh is weak. They fell asleep. And so they weren't praying. They were sleeping. And then the temple guard came uh, to arrest Jesus. And Peter pulls out his sword and cuts off the ear of the high priest's servant. So here's the problem with Peter. He was boasting when he should have been humble. He was sleeping when he should have been praying. And he was fighting when he should have been trusting. And so then he openly ends up denying the Lord. Those steps led to the bigger steps. Small things turn into big things. Cute little bunnies turn into rabbits. Cute little chicks 
turn into chickens. Cute little kittens turn into cats. Um, I was flying across the country this week and I uh, took my seat and there was a gentleman seated next to me and we're getting ready to take off and then he said, oh, I'm in the wrong seat. And he got up and moved out and then a young lady came and took his place who had a very large cage with her and in the cage was a very large cat. And I thought, of course. <laughs> of course, a cat. And this cat literally didn't stop meowing. And by the way, this was not a small cat. This, is, this was one of those kind of cats, I don't even know what you call them, but they're another breed of cat altogether that get considerably larger than regular cats. So it's not like meow, meow. It's not even meow, meow. It's like meow. Meow. And it never stopped. It was like meow, 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 meow. One hour later, meow, 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 meow. Crazy. Yeah, well, that's what happens. Little sins become big sins. Here's a good illustration. The mighty Goliath. Goliath, who David faced in the Valley of Elah. But Goliath wasn't always a giant. He was once a baby. Probably a big baby. Uh, no one would ever want to change his diaper, that's for sure. But the baby became a giant. And one day David is facing this nine foot, six inch hulk of a man covered in body armor. That's what happens. We neglect sins. We negotiate with the enemy. We make deals with the devil. And all of a sudden we have a bona fide giant we're facing in life. And we underestimate the power of sin. Samson's another good illustration. You know, no one could bring him down on the battlefield. He was such a mighty warrior. On one occasion he killed a thousand Philistines. And so the devil sized him up and thought, I know how to get this guy. And he sent a woman named Delilah. Petite, beautiful girl. How do I know that? Because the name Delilah means delicate. So she came up to Samson and said, Hi there, Samson. Uh, tell me the secret of your strength that I might torment you. By the way, if someone says that to you, that's not the beginning of a good relationship. <laughs> she was serious. He's like, waving his hair around, flexing his biceps. Oh, you're going to torment me? What a joke. He looked at her and went, whoa, 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 Delilah. No, he didn't do that. <laughs> he should have though. And that was his undoing. Another dated reference, by the way. That was his undoing. You know the rest of the story. He should have checked her resume. And when he discovered she worked at Supercuts, he should have terminated <laughs> the relationship. How does it happen? How do people fall into sin? Through compromise, one step at a time. And let me ask you this. Has compromise begun to infiltrate your life as a follower of Christ? It happens often when people have walked with the Lord for a time. When you're in the first bloom of your relationship with Christ, this is not usually the issue. It's when you've known the Lord for a time and you're beginning to be weakened by certain things. Let me ask you this. What compromises are happening? Are there any? Don't let that happen to you. There's some safeguards that you can set up in your life that will help you. So I want to help you deal with the gray areas of life. There are certain black and white things you don't need to think about or pray about. You know what God says. Is it okay for me to steal this thing from the store? No, thou shalt not steal. Is it okay for me to have an adulterous relationship? No, you shall not commit adultery. Okay, but what about the gray areas? 
What about those things in life that we're not sure if they're right or wrong? Here's three things to ask yourself before you engage in those activities. Number one, if you're taking notes, ask yourself the question, does it build me up spiritually or does it tear me down? Does it build me up spiritually or does it tear me down? Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10, 23, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for me. The NIV translates it, you say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. So instead of asking the question, can I technically do it, ask yourself, will this build me up spiritually or could this potentially tear me down? Or to use a different analogy. Let's say you're running in a race. Is this a wing or is it a weight? Well, let's slow me down. You know, if you're gonna run a race, don't wear Doc Martens. Don't wear cowboy boots. You need running shoes. You need shoes that are designed for moving you forward quickly. And don't wear a bunch of extra clothes. Don't carry barbells with you. It's gonna slow you down. And in the race of life, you lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily besets you, the author of Hebrews reminds us. Is it a wing? Is it a weight? Not just am I technically allowed to do it, but could it tear me down potentially? Listen to this. Anything that would tear you down spiritually, anything that would pull you away from the people of God, anything that would keep you from Christian fellowship or take the edge off your desire for prayer or your appetite for Bible study should be avoided at all costs. So number one, does it build me up or could it tear me down? Number two, does it bring you under its power? Does it bring you under its power? First Corinthians six twelve, Paul says, I have the right to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I'll not be mastered by anything. I don't want to be under the control of anyone or anything except Jesus Christ. Does it have you under its power? Oh, it can be a drug. It can be drink. It can be your cell phone. It can be binge watching Netflix. It can be so many things that you just lose control. I, I can't stop. I, I just have to keep going and wait. I don't want to be under the power of something. So the question is not is it okay to do or even technically allowable. Is it bringing me under its power now? I can't go an hour without doing this thing. That's not good. And third and lastly, do I have an uneasy conscience about it? Do I have an uneasy conscience about it? The Bible says in Romans 14, 23, whatsoever is not from faith is sin. Or as the New Living Translation puts it, if anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. Just because someone else does something does not mean you should, you see. So you know, you may know someone that does something as a Christian, you say, well I can do that, and all of a sudden it's your downfall. So you should not do that because you have an uneasy conscience about it. So these are things that we need to be considering as believers. Why? Because we have an adversary. We have an enemy. We have the devil who is like a coiled rattler waiting to strike. And Genesis 4, 7 says, sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. So be careful. Great insight today on how to avoid the downward lure of sin. 
Well, next time, Pastor Greg continues this message as he shares more about avoiding the lures that would cause us to stumble in our walk with God. Some important encouragement for standing against our adversary next time on A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie. copy of Pastor Greg's full message from today, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. It was called The Danger of a Compromised Life. Just go to visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-00-5011. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.